0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is Terry O'Neill, a Nebraska pork producer and president of the National Pork Board. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Terry O'Neill next In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The U.S. pork industry has seen its highs and lows in recent years, but now, Nebraska hog farmer and newly elected president of the National Pork Board, Terry O'Neill, says product demand is excellent and the swine industry is gearing up to satisfy it.
1: People are excited. You know, people are excited about growth. There's uh, a wonderful uh, things going on in the breeding stock business as far as sales. Uh, exports are high. We had one of the largest marches we've ever had, as far as that month in sales, and equipment sales are, are going great. It's just one word, growth. We are in a growth mode. That's where we're at, and that would be the simplest word to explain it, uh, and that's where we want to be. We want to grow. It has its challenges that go along with it, but that's the mode we're in right now, growth.
0: House Ag Chairman Mike Conway says in agriculture, you either sell it or smell it. So what do you find from the domestic market? What do you find from the global market with regard to demand for U.S.-produced pork?
1: The so demand's gradually getting better on the domestic side, and particularly in the food service area. And where that has come from is we've got uh, a lot of these chain uh, restaurants, quick service restaurants that have gone to all-day breakfasts. And quite frankly, pork owns breakfast. And uh, it's been a profitable segment for them to to offer this uh, to consumers, and that's really helped us out. Another thing that's helped us out as far as domestic market and food service are um, people are finding new ways to have pork that are in different ethnicities, uh, different spices, different flavors. Just a, a change from the old burger and chicken routine that a lot of people get get tired of um, seeing carnitas seeing pulled pork and things like that and you all know that everything's better with bacon on it so as far as uh, domestically uh, we're doing great in food service and as far as the export markets i alluded to earlier we had our one of our best marches ever uh, as far as the month of march and mexico is leading the way And we really hope we can maintain those great relationships we have with Mexico. As a pork board, we just got back from Mexico. They love our product. They are in expansion mode as far as using our product at the retail level. And we want to see that relationship to continue. And we're just crossing our fingers everything goes well with any type of renegotiation at NAFTA. Japan has been great as far as exports. China has helped us out tremendously. Anytime you have any time, thing times 1.5 billion people is going to offer you a lot of exports. So the export market is really it's really going to offer us a way to move all this pork.
0: Terry, you and the board have a responsibility of managing those checkoff dollars for the maximum return, but you also have an opportunity through uh, Washington through the Department of Agriculture and the USDA budget with foreign market development funds and market access program funds. How are you able to utilize those, and are they beneficial in satisfying what now is over 25% of demand for the product that you raise?
1: We give a certain amount of funds to United States Meat Export Federation and those funds get matched by the federal government to a certain extent. So we're getting a, a great bang for a buck when we work through that organization because they build what the, is called a United Export Strategy earlier on in the year. That is uh, what the USDA wants to, to have so they know what kind of strategy uh, USMEF or US Meat Export Federation has, and then if that's accepted as a strategy, they'll match those funds. So that's a great way for us to access markets, particularly new markets, but also maintain the markets we have and defend, uh, whether it be Mexico or defending uh, Japan, uh, Canada is also a very good trade partner
0: with us. Clearly, the bulk of the product that you produce is sold right here at home to US uh, customers. How is the U.S. customer base changing, and and what do we notice about the shift from baby boomers to millennials to the Generation X and Y? Do you have to change your product to satisfy them, or just find new ways to reach them to talk about the benefits of U.S. pork? Well,
1: all options are on the table, I'm glad you asked that question, Jeff, because right now, uh, 75% of our product uh, goes to our United States domestic customers. And we know, we know that our baby boomer generation is now overcome by the millennials as far as numbers, and we know we need to market to all of them. But what, what our focus is doing in domestic marketing uh, in the past, let's say when I started pork production 30 years ago, we had pork, the other white meat. Everyone recognized a very successful uh, tagline and ad slogan, and basically we were, we were wanting to... Compete with chicken, quite frankly, and because people are more concerned with the, the new healthy lifestyles. But uh, things have changed over the years. We're, we're seeing that fat is not so bad as people once thought in, in their diets. And uh, we now have to figure out a way to um, do market intelligence on as far as what are people's buying habits. And so we've done a really good job with the baby boomers. We had what we called pork champions. We had what we called in our our domestic marketing campaign uh, um, the Creative Cooks because we knew that was a pork-centric group that really enjoyed being creative with pork. But now we know that we need to also go into other generations, particularly the millennials, because they're going to be the largest group, quite frankly. The way we're going to do this is we're going to do, do, do it digitally. And we have to do market intelligence. Find out how they buy their products, what what they want. We kind of know that they want more transparency. They want clean labels. Uh, they want permission to use our product. They don't want to feel guilty about it. They want to know that we're socially responsible when we when we raise our product. So those are some of the changes that that are going to have to occur, quite frankly, and are occurring. So it's going to be both. We're going to have to learn how to market better, and we're going to change our product a little bit. I mean, we'll have to modify. How things are marketed, already prepared meals is a big thing in this country and in Korea. It's convenient. Millennials love it. We're going to see a lot more of that. There's going to be a lot more digital marketing. Everyone has cell phones, smartphones. That's how they get their information. They don't read the newspapers so much anymore, Um, and it's the most popular mode of communication and information now, so we need to focus more in the digital age.
0: Terry, there is a word in agriculture as sustainability. From the Pork Board perspective, what efforts have you made toward the industry about your efforts towards sustainable agriculture?
1: Sustainability, we set a baseline on where we're at as far as CO2, the carbon footprint, the amount of water use, and land use. Those are the three main areas we've done work in in the past. And we, over since the 1950s, I believe, we have reduced our uh, land use by well over a half, water use by approximately 40%, and CO2 or uh, carbon footprint by a large amount.
0: Terry, it does seem to be that some consumers today are as concerned about how the product was produced as Mm -hmm. much as the availability and the affordability of it.
1: You're exactly right. Some people are, are more concerned, especially if they're prompted in a survey, they're more concerned on how it's produced. But there is a segment out there that's their that's main concern is, is, are the, is it done sustainably? Is it done in a socially responsible manner? Um, and that's driving a niche market. Um, antibiotics has brought that up uh, as far as the antibiotics message of people some people do not want to have uh, any antibiotics used in the production of their animals and we're seeing that drive the market right now so uh, there's a lot of different areas there that people are demanding uh, through sometimes through false information we feel that we need to have these decisions based on science not based on propaganda that some of our antagonistic uh, people are antagonistic they stick to us are are propagating. Anyway, yes, that is the concern that some people do have.
0: It seems as though you have a, a dual task, not just a promotion of product, but also education of consumer about actually how pork makes it to their plate.
1: Exactly. And it's not so much education. We want to become more engaged with our consumers. I know we're, we're starting to do a lot more as far as transparency within our industry. We're offering tours to, to influencers such as such as people like yourselves that are in the media. We offer tours for people that are in dietetics and nutritionists, uh, the people that are in in medicine. So we're trying to be more engaged through uh, uh, offering tours to thought leaders and influencers that can talk to other people. We had a blogger's tour where bloggers could come out and view an operation and they can blog what they really saw instead of what they hear. Uh, Everything on the internet obviously isn't true we want people to see firsthand what actually happens in a, in a hog operation. We're also seeing with today's technology, you can go into live feed and, and you can plug in the Internet and you can actually be in a hog barn and see what's actually going on in there. So we're trying to be much more transparent to show consumers that we are socially responsible by engaging with them.
0: It seems that the pork board also and the board members, you've reached out to some of the popular chefs of the country, and it seems to me that we're finding pork a lot more accepted and a lot more on the menu of restaurants across the country.
1: Yes, we are seeing a lot more acceptance. That's where where it's all starting. We do have a great group of people in food service, on our uh, food service team, under domestic marketing, and they work directly with chefs. They have chefs come together with um, there's pork crawl, taste of elegance, all these sorts of events that we show chefs how they can use pork and and do it well in their businesses. They'll they'll cut up a whole pig and show them the different parts they can use, and not just regular cuts. They might show some special uh, cuts that are are, that are different, and interesting that people might want to try and it worked well in their in their restaurants. So it kind of all starts at at the white tablecloth or the very nice restaurants with the chefs and then it works its way down into uh more of the mainstream and now a lot of this has reached of course the fast food restaurants with um the carnitas, the the different types of sausages, the different types of charcuterie um, also, pulled pork is big, and of course, bacon's you know been been doing that forever. Adding flavor back into all kinds of products, so uh, yeah, work with the chefs has been uh, something that's been very successful for us, and it drives everything back from the chefs back into the more mainstream uh, ways of consuming pork.
0: Terry, the history of the pork board and your marketing to consumers was a direct relationship, almost between the producer to the consumer. But it seems now you may be shifting to working and assisting those who are helping to market their own product.
1: If we look back 30 years, pork, the other white meat, we directed in a generic commodity type of marketing system directly to consumers, using a lot of TV ads, print ads, promotions, and things like that. And yes, there's still gonna, that's still going to go on, but we need to focus more on the business-to-business type of marketing system. Uh, that 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 one we used before is 30 years old. There's there's newer systems out there as far as how we market to individuals or through companies. So we are going to uh, do a more of a business-to-business approach. Here's what we we foresee us doing is going approaching those businesses retailers, packer processors. Um, we've already done it in the food service. We go in there and we say, hey, how can we basically help you be more profitable in your food sector? And this is what we have. Uh, we don't want to write a check. We don't want to just say, hey, we'll give you some money and you promote it. We're going to help them in their weak spots and their vulnerability areas on how they uh, market our product better because, it, quite frankly, they do have uh, marketing schemes in place They just need to tweak them a little bit, and we think we can offer intelligence that we're going to gain through our research we do. Uh, We think we're going to offer them some methods to better market their product, and then it sells more pork for us.
0: The consumer is interested in a safe food supply, uh, an ample food supply, and an affordable food supply. And with that, during Pork Expo, you offered a secure pork supply plan. What's your goal?
1: It comes down to knowing our vulnerabilities in the United States uh, as far as foot and mouth disease or any type of foreign animal disease. And we need to mitigate this risk by establishing what we call the secure pork supply. I know they're looking at it in beef. I know they're looking at it in dairy. They haven't taken the steps. We want to be leaders in the pork industry, and we, we feel that we'll set up a template and then beef and dairy will follow after us. We approved investment of funds at Texas A and M. We are going to work with their Ag Connect program. Uh, they have an institute of infectious diseases there that is a program as a database called Ag Connect. It's already a pilot program. They've done it on a small scale, and we are going to provide funding. We're also going to work together with them. Uh, some of our staff will be working with them in a liaison manner. They have relations with uh, state and federal agencies that we don't have at Pork Board, and we're going to work more closely with them to establish this database in case we do have a foreign animal disease outbreak so we can get back to business quicker. This is long-term, but we think we can have something least in place by 2018 sometime. There's other things going on. I know our sister organization is trying to get a vaccine bank put together in the farm bill, for uh, any type of foreign animal disease outbreak in our hopes that we can be the leaders as pork in this and that uh, maybe dairy and beef would follow after us as far as all pulling together to have a safe meat supply.
0: You mentioned the growth of the industry and obviously producers are optimistic about the position that they're in. You also have some additional packing capacity that's coming online. How will that assist the growth and how does that change the game?
1: You know, we were just talking about that. Um, a friend of mine and I were saying, you know, we've we've been in this business for 30 years. We've never seen so many packing plants that are starting up. Uh, it's over a 30-year period. I've maybe seen one or two new packing plants, or that are actually new. There's a lot of retrofits and uh, remodeled plants, but we're looking at basically uh, three very large plants and uh, two two or three smaller plants going into the United States, this is going to offer a lot of extra um, processing capacity. It's going to help the producer in the near term because there's going to be a lot of demand for pork. Uh, but, you know, when a rubber hits the road is, you know, you can go ahead and get all these pigs processed. them' made into pork chops, bacon, and hams and all, but then you have to sell the product in the end. So uh, we, we're hoping... Um, that once we have these plants all up and going and we've got the growth going with the production, that we can move the product. And a lot of that's going to have to come from increased sales domestically, and we're going to have to probably change our our mix as far as what we we export. We'll probably move from more of a 25% range, more to like a 30% range of our product we produce will go to export. So those two things all working together will move more pork, in the future and that's where our growth is heading
0: well terry o'neill we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on this edition of open mic terry it is open mic and you have an open forum okay
1: well, i just want to say that i enjoy doing this i've always enjoyed raising pigs it's been a wonderful thing for us And people ask me well, why did you ever do this and I, say, I, I just enjoy seeing those small pigs being born and raising them uh this industry has basically helped me stay in the agricultural business it was difficult for me when i was young to, to get back into agriculture it's provided me an avenue and i just want to give back to this business and i just really enjoy uh the people uh basically it comes down to a family atmosphere that's one thing i really enjoy about this business so i just want to give back and i enjoy leading and i'm going to really enjoy this next year it's an exciting time uh, we've got a lot of growth going on. Why wouldn't you be excited with all the growth going on? Because uh, those are some some new things happening all the time. and Yes, there's going to be some challenges, but we're really looking forward to this next year.
0: Our thanks to National Pork Board President Terry O'Neill, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.